Week number six. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Week six, Luke chapter seven. Chapter seven, Luke seven, verse 11. It says this here. Soon after Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. Someone say Nain. Someone say ain't. Is ain't one of your favorite words? Is that a weird question? It just, yeah, all right. Just remove the T and add an, add, is it N-N or A-N? What's the correct English there? Is it N-N or A-N? So take away the T and add A-N, Annie. It just add N. Wow. This explains why I got a C minus in undergrad and English. I don't even know where you guys come to listen to me. But, um, no, no. So, Nain, Nain. Nain. I love I love that word. I love that that the name of that village. And it says here, and a large crowd followed him. Verse twelve. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died. Someone say that the young man who had died. Who had died, was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. Hmm. The widow's only son. Only son. That's important as we move forward here today. It says this here. Uh, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. This is a representation of Jesus breaking through the power of religion and entering into a relational component. It's representative of breaking, because you think when you stepped in here today, you entered into a religious institution. You didn't. You entered into a church uh, full of people who have a relationship with a risen Savior not an established um, denomination, all right? And so, which is fine, but sometimes religion can get in the way of the power of God. Uh, people often ask, you know, what religion are you? And I say, well, if we define religion, the word means routine. So I, I believe in waking up every morning. That's my religion. I believe in feeding my kids every morning and getting them off to school at 9 a.m. I believe that's my religion. You feel me, Andy? I'm going to look for love today. But if you ask me if I'm in a relationship with a man, I'm coming out the closet. With a man, now we can talk because Jesus Jesus isn't routine, and that's the issue. They tried to box Jesus. They didn't. Is he Lutheran? Is he Baptist? Is he Pentecostal? You know, is he, is he a Sadducee? Is he a Pharisee? Is he a, what is he? And the issue with Christ was that he didn't fit into anyone's box. And so he would go to villages like Nain. No, no one went to Nain. Come on now, Nain. Name. Name. He says, don't cry. Verse 14 says here. It says, um, then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. 
and the bearer stopped. Young man, I tell you to get up. Get up. I want to bring a message to you entitled, Larger Than Lies. Larger Than Lies. Larger Than Lies. You know, uh, it, was, it was sixth grade about, well, I'm not going to tell you what year it was, but I was in sixth, gra- sixth grade some time ago. And uh, I had this, and I was, I was obsessed with just wanting to touch the rim in the gym. You know, we had gym class, and you had to change your, your clothes in middle school. I was obsessed with it. I'm like, I'm going to touch this orange circle before I graduate middle school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. And so I'm in sixth grade, and I'm five foot and some change. And um, I can jump, but I can swipe the net, swipe the net. And so uh, I had two huge friends, like Lance's size. Lance, how tall are you? 6'4". No, they weren't quite that tall. That would be weird to be in the sixth grade and be 6'4". <laughs> it wouldn't be weird, but you get it. We need to. But they're more like, to me, they were probably 5'9". But I'm 5'9 and a half, 5'10 on a good day, okay? But really 5'8", but don't tell anyone. To me, they, they looked like they were at least six foot. So I asked two of my biggest friends, I said, look, guys, on Friday we have free gym. We can do anything. And I, I, I want to touch this rim. I want to hang on this rim. So this is what we're going to do. All right? All right? You listening? All right, good. I said, I'm going to lay on the ground, and I'm going to get in perfect position. And... Uh, what I need you guys to do, my mom is here. Give it up for my mom. She's in the second row. Yep. Y'all wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Knows I didn't say I wouldn't. I said, y'all. And so I said, guys, look, I need you to yank me up as hard as you can. My mom doesn't know this. And I'm going to use my leg power along with your power to get on. Come on, we're going to show this thing off. And so on three, guys, you ready? One, two. And they pulled as hard as they could. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, And, and man, you ever got the wind knocked out of you? Goodness, I broke my fall, so I didn't break anything in here. But, man, I thought I broke a rib or punctured a lung or something. And you know how in the movies they're like, Hey, man, are you okay? I'm like, get away from me. Dork, she let me do it. I was lying to myself. Like, what in the world? What in the world, man? I, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, I touched the rim. I'm five feet there. I was lying to myself, man. We're all, anyone good liar in here? All right, see, so you're being religious. Anyone was a good liar before Jesus. You want to be all religion. I'm not a good liar. Well, why are you in church if you don't need to be here? White lie, black lie, blue lie. What is a white lie anyway? Something that doesn't hurt. I never understood that. That's a little white lie. You go get somebody killed telling a little white lie. Tell a black lie, yellow lie, blue lie. Tell a green lie. They all lies, mom. And so it was a lie, man. And, you know, I did some research on, on lies. The, the word lie means to miss, 
guide or, or misdirect, and which we're all pretty much good at um, in a certain season of our lives, um, some more than others. But here are top five. <sighs> I love this one. It says, well, I don't, but here it is. It says, if I could only fill in the blank, then everything would be perfect. If I could only have that job or uh, make that amount of money or, or have that degree or, or live in that community, then everything would be perfect. Uh, that's one lie they said is big. This one is, is huge to it. The one, this lie says, I never have enough money. Uh, yeah, we use that one, some of us, every day. Um, sometimes it's true. We get into seasons where we can't afford to pay our bills or whatever the situation is. But uh, the, there's an exaggeration in that lie. It says, I never have enough money. And sometimes it's the fact that even I myself, we don't manage our money well. Uh, number three, this one, is, this one is deadly. This one is asinine. It says, I already know. I already know. That, that's, that's, that's a lie we tell ourselves. That's, that's, that's a prideful one. I already know. Um, I already know. This one right here is, is, is a bad one. It says, I am a victim. I am a victim. Um, maybe at a certain point in our lives we were victim to something or to someone but um, you don't have to accept that label. You're not a victim. You're a victor in Jesus Christ's name. Um, and this, this one, too, it says, I don't have a choice. I'm stuck here. A lot of us live uh, with this lie. And, and the weird part about it is, is all these lies aren't just verbal. Um, most of them are, are subconscious. So we, we operate and we live and we exist but oftentimes we're controlled by lies. Um, and so I want to let you know here, we all have an internal storyteller. We all have an internal storyteller, um, be it a female's voice or a male's voice, whatever your female storyteller voice is, um, and they feed us lies after lie after lie after lie. And so what we see in the scriptures, we see Jesus, he enters a village called Nain. Someone say Nain. Nain. You're going to need to remember this uh, at the end of today's message. Nain. Nain is a small village right outside of Galilee. Jesus' primary town, which is Galilee, a very small village. As a matter of fact, today it's called a hamlet. Anyone, you know what a hamlet is? Hamlet? Okay. So hamlets are bigger than neighborhoods, smaller than villages. Um, a village has place of worship, place of business, and neighborhoods. Um, hamlets are multi-neighborhoods, no place of worship, no business. So we could ascertain here in the text, you got to follow me today. Today is going to be powerful just as much as you're awake. So you got to stay with me today. All right, so we can ascertain that based upon uh, what a hamlet is, or, or they called it a village in this day, that there was no local synagogue or place of worship. So therefore, in this city, um, the presence of God was bleak at best. The love of God, the, the word of God, the community of God didn't exist for these people. And so we have Jesus, someone who enters Nain, and it's a very small, seemingly insignificant place. You ever felt as though your life was 
a little bit too insignificant, too small for God to notice. Like you're just one out of every seven out of out, out of seven billion people. And, and God is just kind of, you know, God's blessing him and God's blessing her. And God's hand is on this person and God is using them in a big way. And God has healed that family and they're financially good. And, you know, I'm going through this, but he just seems to pass by me quite often. Nain. Small and insignificant. Nain is where we work, we struggle, and we die. It's Nain. A widow. Then that it's a widow. So this is a person who has lost her husband and who has now lost what the Bible says, her young son. Meaning that we can see that this, this guy, he, he just started his career. And if you know anything about bil- biblical times, young sons are very vital to the livelihood and the health of a widow. And so when your father died, and if you were the oldest child, you received most of the inheritance if there was one. The widow, the wife, received nothing. At best, she received a room and a home just to maintain But if she couldn't afford to stay in that home, that would have been taken away from her as well. So he crosses, he enters into Nain, and he also enters into a situation that seems too big for a person to handle. She's in a a situation that's outside of her control. She has no resource. All right, the son represents this, her finance, her friendship, and her future. Her finance, her friendships, in her future. And Jesus comes to Nain. And, and, and these are all lies. You understand. You do understand. You, some of you may be in a real good spot right now. Because they say this. You, you're either getting out of a tough spot. You're about to go into a tough spot. Or you're about to leave one. Either way, uh, you're, you're in one. You're out of one. Or whatever. You're, you're in a revolving cycle of tough spots and one of the lies that's going to continue to plague us as people because we're fallen, we're broken because of sin is that your life is too insignificant and too small and too unimportant to God. And there's billions of others out in the world that he's seeing about. And I'm not saying that we reverberate this every day, but what I am saying is the way we act and the way we go about life, a lot of times it just seems as though that it's just stuck in the back of our minds and it drives our actions. So he's dead and here we are. Let's go bury him. This part of my life is dead. No strength, no breath. Let's just give up all hope. This part is dead. He comes to Nain, and then it's the lie of, man, this is too much. Anybody in a situation you feel like is too much right now? Okay, everyone's good. I'm, I'm going to talk to about, okay, I'm going to talk to five people. Everyone's good. So your bank's good. You're not sick. No, no family issues, no relational issues. You, you're good. If, you, if you're going to get everything you need to get out of this world, you need to respond to me right now. Is everyone in a good situation or are you pretty tough right now? I need, I need the tough people to raise a hand. You're in a tough situation? Well, this word is for you today. About the 40 people that are in a tough situation, this word is for you today. Because we enter into seasons where it's just too much. 
it's too much. And he approaches her. And he seeks to dethrone some lies. He seeks to dethrone lies. In the beginning, God created heaven and the heavens and the earth and the fields and the animals and the creatures of the sea. And he saved man for last. Man walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. And Satan comes in and he imparts what? A lie. He imparts a lie into her mind. He, he says that if you bite the fruit in the day thereof, you shall know as God knows. And, and he planted a seed that, that seemed as though it was for her good, but it was really to limit her. And so this is what lies do, okay? Lies will either keep you oppressed, keep you from God's best, or they will raise you all the way up like you're about to touch that orange rim and drop you hard. And so Jesus was larger than lies. He, he came to name to dethrone the lie of insignificance and to dethrone the lie that this is too much for you. Nothing is ever too much. Nothing is ever too hard for you when Jesus is on your side. That's just, that's the simple truth about it. And so we're going to talk about two lies, and I'm going to go home, and Louie has some pupusas for me, and uh, I'm going to have a good old lunch, and here it is. Lie number one, I want to talk about two lies. Lie number one is this, is that God does not care. God does not care. Like I said, we don't say it, but a lot of times we certainly believe it. Just the other day, we were putting the boys to bed about 10 days ago. And so we were straightening out their beds, and uh, we get around to poofing up Jaziel's pillow. And um, mom discovers some wraps in the pillowcase. Oh, yeah, okay. Parents, get me. And so we pull out the pillow, and we see apple bar wrap. We see strawberry wrap, starburst, M&M packs. And I'm very ticked off at this point. So I'm actually sitting in, in the chair, and she's getting hers in. Have anyone ever been into a fight in here? Good, good. I've never been into a fight, but I've seen a few. You know how it's one-on-one -on -one sometime, and you got that friend standing in the background like, yeah, I can't wait. I'm a jab. Mm, I'm going to get him. And so I'm back there like, I can't wait on my jab, boy. But let me tell you, <laughs> mom pulls out this. Now, this was impressive. Mom pulls out a lollipop wrap and a stick. Like, I was ticked about the Starburst and the Apple Bar. Because that's a... <laughs> no, the lollipop. I wasn't even mad at him anymore. Because I thought about how he even just laid there one night. <laughs> Y'all sleep? All right, go to bed. Like, I mean, just for minutes. And I just chill. Kyra knows I get on that booty. I don't care about no liberal Maryland. I'm from the South. I get on your butt. <laughs> Come on now. Some, all right. See, y'all be ready to call child services and all that. Ah, give me my belt. All right. Late, go to sleep. I 
dealing with all that nonsense. I was ready. And so, what am I doing this morning? <laughs> Look, it's just great weather, man, and this is a very encouraging message. So I got 20 minutes to make it happen. Let's do it. So, um, yeah, I, I sit back and I just laugh, man. I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm tired. So um, I said, but why, son, why? And he's like, I'm, I'm hungry. I said, Jay, you eat three squares, bro. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Go to sleep. Like, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Like, as if we don't care. You know what I mean? And, like, my thing is, like, when we adopt this mindset about God, like, he doesn't care, we, we start doing real irrational stuff. We start eating when it's time to go to sleep. Like, and, 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 and it leads us to places of, of stress and, and depression, and it only makes matters worse when we adopt this lie that God does not care. But w- we can see that in the text that that's clearly not true. This is Jesus, right? He's God in a bod. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus is God incarnate, okay? And so he's God walking the face of the earth to show us what, Andy? The character of God, who the person of God is. This is why religion is so poisonous because religion says you do rituals to get to God. God is just like, dude, this is just between me and you. I'm coming to Nain, right? And so... The Bible says that he has compassion. The word in the Greek here means that his inward parts were moved. It's, oh. Death. We don't have the verse. Don't worry about it. I'll give you Bible here. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. So Jesus walks into Nain. Number one, he sees a widow. Number two, he sees a dead body. <clears throat> and, and, and he goes back to the beginning of time. When, when Eve, this ain't even in my notes, so I know it's anointed. I know, and it's for you, so catch this. When Eve receives and accepts and believes a lie. And the Bible says that when she did that and when Adam bit the fruit, that, that uh, uh, they died. Because the Bible says that um, Adam, Eve told the serpent that in the day that we eat or, or touch, and God did not say touch, he said don't eat it. So you need to know your Bible. He said in the day, she said in the day that we eat and touch, we shall surely die. Satan said you won't surely die. The word death there in the Hebrew means separation. So, so God wasn't going to take his spirit from Adam and Eve. What he was going to do is he was going to separate them from the Garden of Eden, which was paradise. And, and, and the serpent was able to slide a lie in there. All lies are filled with just a little bit of truth. And so when they bit the fruit and they disobeyed God, we, th- we get migraines, we get adultery, we get fornication, we get alcoholism, we get addictions, we struggle with paying bills, we get broken homes. Satan knew what he was doing. 
And ultimately, so there are two forms of death. If you're taking note, there is spiritual death. When when you die, your soul leaves your body and your soul is eternal. So, okay, uh, a God formed man of the dust and he breathed, he ruach, he breathed his spirit. So God is the source of life. He breathed his spirit into man and man became a living soul. What's that? Mind, emotions and will. And your soul is immaterial. It's a spiritual being. Your soul exists forever. So when you don't believe in Jesus who died for your sin, your soul is separated from the source of life. That is hell. Hell is not a fiery furnace. That's the lake of fire and brimstone. That's at the end time. Hell is a holding place. But when you give your heart to Jesus, who is God, who is the source of life, who came to the earth to die for you, when you die, your soul goes and it lives with God for all eternity. So when Jesus, who's the source of life, saw death, ah, this takes me back to the original lie. I got to do something about this. Because it's lies that are killing my people. It's the lies that they allow to inoculate and grow and fester, and it's daily, and it's by the second, and it's the lies that your parents spoke over you, and a stranger spoke over you, and the enemy spoke over you. Now now you're saying it to yourself on a daily, but I won't make it, and it won't work, and God does not care, and he is not there, and he won't show up, and he won't change the situation, and Jesus... And so God has compassion. I, when Jay was in the hospital for seizures because he was epileptic, I didn't take any pleasure in that. Y- your heavenly father doesn't take any pleasure in you being in a jacked up situation. He doesn't take, he, he's not up there. He's, he's moving. He's, he's, he's moved and he's moving towards you and he's orchestrating things. But he needs your faith and he needs you to understand that he does care. And, it, and he's working for you and he's working it all out. And he cares. When, when Judah, that's all good. We can clap that up. When, when, when I, I, I packed Judah one day and bad daddy, I packed him one day and, and we got like four steps, concrete steps. And I put him in a stroller, Jesus Christ, and uh, put him right outside on top of the steps. I usually put it down first at the bottom of the steps. I don't know. I was in a rush. And I just, I, tur- he was right. I turned around to close the front door, and all I hear is a pop, pop, pop. It's kind of funny, but it's, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, and so I saw the stroller. But I didn't see him, and I didn't hear him. Oh, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I, you know, Judah, I'm in the, you know, I, I scream real, real loud, and I pick it up, and he's just like, blood, and no, I mean, we got some pictures on Instagram during that season, like, he, he got this dent in his head and blood, and he just starts crying. And so me and T.T. Megan, we rush into the hospital, and I didn't take any joy in that. And, 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 and religion rules 
will have us to think that God is just up in heaven like hurrah, hooray, you're struggling to pay your bills, life sucks, you're sick, you're, you're tired, you're stressed. God is not like that. Get, that. get that lie out of your heart. Get it out of your mind. God is moving towards you. That's not the kind of God that we serve. He's a God of compassion, and, and he does, he does, in fact, care. Lamentations 3, 29 through 24 says this here. I mean, 19 through 24, sorry. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember. This is the prophet Jeremiah who wrote Lamentations. This is the book of weeping in the Old Testament. They called him the weeping prophet. Um, I don't have time to dive into his story, but he says this. The feeling of hitting rock bottom. But there is one thing I remember. In remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. I say it over and over. I say it over and over. How great is your faithfulness? He's all I've got left. In the context of Jeremiah, he was a prophet preaching to a people that were in exile because they had turned their backs on God and it broke his heart for them to not trust the Lord. In him being a prophet, he had to experience what the people were experiencing because they were under judgment. And he said, even I'm gripped by it being a preacher, but I hold on to this one thing. And that's God does care. And even though we're way out in Babylon and we're not in Israel where our home is and we're, we're outside of where we believe God wants us to be and, and his blessing, you know what? His mercies are still new every single morning. And he cares. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise for that. I believe lie number two is this. Lie number two is God is not near. God is not near. We're going we're gonna to battle with this in and out, different seasons, these two lies. We got to deal here with the omnipresence of God. Omni means everywhere at the same time, all the time. God is everywhere at the same time, all the time. Genesis 1 says this, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So, so the universe is not God. Andy, we do understand. The universe is the universe. You right there? The, the Big Bang and all that? And we, you know, we have ligaments and hearts and thoughts and mind. Like, how does that even, can, can scientists think about this stuff? They spend millions of dollars on this crap. Only to catch up to God. That's all science is, right? And so, in the beginning, God. He's omnipresent. He's every, God is in this room. God is in the kids' department. God is in the Muslim mosque. God is in the Buddhist temple. God is on 270. God, God is everywhere. 
He's omnipresent. There's a difference in his omnipresence versus his manifest presence. But, 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 but let's give you a verse for his omnipresence. It says it here in Psalm 139 um, message. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight. If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. Wow. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. God is everywhere versus the manifest presence of God, right? Jesus being, y'all, I'm, I'm looking for my people who will follow me because y'all are going to get the breakthrough. G, I'm, I got you, Erica and Abu. Jesus, walking by name, he didn't have to stop. He went into the village to do what? Manifest his presence. Manifested presence, you, hundreds of people have experienced right here in this church. You experience it during worship. God is doing things in your heart. A lot of times you experience it through the okay preaching. God speaking to your heart. He's, he's opening your perspective. He, you, he's showing you things in your life as I preach. The, the manifest presence of God. We've had altar calls right here, and I lay my hands on you, and, and you receive breakthrough, and addictions are broken. The manifest presence of God causes life change to happen. I remember in July of last year, the church was about nine months. And um, I, I got this, this hero of the faith I look up to. He's in D.C. Church is phenomenal. He's a great author. And uh, we were invited to a conference right there in D.C., a women's conference, thousands of women. And uh, we got there a little late. We showed up in the back room um, where all the pastors and their wives were meeting. And, and, and they're, they're about to start praying. And me and Kyra, we walk in all quiet. And the first guy I see is I see him, the, the, the guy that I've been reading his books for years. You know there's a difference in reading books of someone versus meeting someone. Now, when you meet them, it's surreal. When you meet your favorite actor or artist, it's, it's crazy. So they're praying, and the first guy I see is, is him, and, and he's praying. He's like 6'4 anyway. So he stands out. And then we leave, and I don't say anything to him, and we go out to worship in the conference. I'm on the second row. He's on the front row, and he's worshiping the Lord, and, and the room is filled with, like, 2,000 women and all this stuff, but the pastors are, the pastors' husbands are there first night and all that stuff. And so after worship, they call us up on the stage, and he has the microphone. He's the first one, and it's this whole aisle. Kyra and I were new to this group, so we go up last. We don't want to, Jesus said, don't make a way for yourself. Allow a way to be made for you. That's part of how you become great. Don't force your way into anything. Anyway, so we waited last, and all the pastors and the wives, they're like, go, 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 go to the, go to the end. Go stand next to him. I'm like. So my wife is leading me because I'm. And he's leading the procession. He's talking all that stuff. He says, everybody, we're family and we hug. And, you know, he makes the congregation hug. And he turns around. He's like, I'm like. (laughs) 
And so, uh, and then we get off the stage. I'm like, and so, bam, uh, the preacher preaches, great message. We go to the back to the after party, which is just a little dark room like this where the pastors have food and drink and all that stuff. And not, good drink, not that stuff. Anyway, so I, I rubbed some elbows with my wife. I came here with her, some other people. And I, I noticed him and a few other pastors at the table. This is going to end good. Follow me. And uh, they're all sitting on a stool, and here's Jesus again. I just have a chair, like, right here. They're all up on the stool. And, I mean, you know, he's talking about all this stuff. And it finally gets around to me. So, like, what about you? What's going on with your church? I'm like, well, we moved up here with seven phenomenal adults. uh, We're nine months old, and we started the church with this amount of finance because they were throwing out crazy their ministries are doing very well and reaching a lot of people in this area. Uh, we started with this, and you know, we went from nine people to this many, and we did this for Easter, and it's just what it is. And, I mean, whatever I told him, his mouth dropped. Because, yeah, right now there are thousands of people, four campuses in D.C., four in Virginia, and he, he's written a million books. He's a New York Times bestseller. But their first year, their first 18 months of church, their average attendance was like 40 people. So whatever I told him, like we're, we're, we're in our first 16 months, and we're, we're doing pretty good, just in comparisons to that, not comparing, but we're doing good. Whatever I told him, his mouth dropped, simply because he could relate. If you would read some of his books, he'll tell you the first year of their church, he would not look back during worship because it was no one in the room. It was too embarrassing. But, but to see where God has taken him. So, so his mouth dropped, and he said this. He said, get my number, get my email. I'm going to invest into your ministry. I'm going to connect you with some people. It's God, Mom. It's the difference in Omni. It was all cool on the stage. It was all cool in the prayer circle. It was all cool worshiping with him behind him. But, but, but when he spoke, when he reached out and touched his manifest presence, his, his resource, his influence, his, his power came my way. And and, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's coming, and and he's saying, look, I need y'all to stop right now. Because a lot of the dead things that you're carrying, Jesus wants to come into contact with so he can change it, so he can can shift it. And line number two is, is that he is not near. It's not that. He's very near. But can he touch the coffin? Can he touch those dead thoughts? Can he touch those, those bad habits? Can he touch that tongue of yours that's out of control? Can he touch that doubt? Can he touch that fear? The word there for touch is hepatome, and it means to alter or to change. Coffin, the hand of Jesus, life. 
you know you've been touched by God when you don't come back next Sunday the same person that you were the last Sunday. Oh, man. And God can touch you. God can set you free. God can deliver you. God can send someone into your life. It's not just that is God not near. No, he's near. But can he touch you? And, and can, that, can you have the faith to where when he touches you, you don't return to those thoughts? You don't return to that bondage. You don't return to those habits. And you see a new day. You see a new dream. You see a new vision. You believe bigger. You live again. You live again. You live again. You live. You live. You live. He wants to come into contact with it. <laughs> Psalm 118 says this. Come on up, mercy. It says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. Only Jesus can make you, make you righteous. And so whenever you receive him by faith, you become God's righteousness. And he says this here, the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I didn't have time to add these verses, but anytime you see Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John lay his hand on somebody, the blind began to see, the dead began to rise, the paralyzed were healed. He, he, every time, every time God, when God lays his hand on you, he begins to move people out of your life. He brings you closer to him. Sometimes he pushes you out to take steps of faith into this opportunity. He'll get you out of relationships. But anytime God's hand is on your life, it's on it for your better, for your good, for your destiny, for your future. And right now, God's hand is on your life. There's a, you're in a, a lot of you are in a season right now where the hand of God, if you would just allow him to, it can begin to heal your heart. And, and heal you of all the pain and the suffering. He can do it. But you got you to gotta allow him to. And it says this here, the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Verse 16, the Lord's right hand. Why is it saying right? There, it's, it's emphatic. Uh, the Lord's right hand is his hand of blessing, his hand of favor, and his hand of power. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Verse 17, I love this. It says, I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Luke 15 through 17 says this. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. This tells me that Jesus cares about our friendships, our finances, and our future. Great fear swept the crowd. This is a good fear. It's a reverence. It's an honor. And they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea. And he became the greatest of all time. 
Those are two lies, but this is our final truth, and then we're going to go home. God is a life giver. God is a life giver. Yeah, God, God wants to give you life today. He wants to not resurrect the past, but give you new life. You can dream and you can hope. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise, everybody. <clears throat> all right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you all the glory and the honor. We give you all the praise. You're such a good God. Thank you, God, that we don't have to accept the lie that you are not near. You are near. And you want to touch. You want to change and you want to alter. God, we receive this new life that you've given us in these areas that are seemingly dead. God, breathe fresh life on our situations. God, thank you that you do care and you do have compassion. And that when we are broken, it breaks you. When we are hurt, you are hurt. And I thank you, Lord, that you are working behind closed doors for our good. 